Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasova, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news paper since 1971. Bonus time in the Ben Jarowski Show. As I speak, it's Wednesday, September 14th, 2022. Here's the headline. Uh, and the, I got this off my phone. So it's not even my a newspaper, not a really a real newspaper. I'm going to show my distinguished guest that I do have newspapers, right? So, so I'm not one of those millennials just read stuff on a phone. Uh, distinguished guest likes that. All right. Uh, this is just broke, breaking news, which is connected to the conversation we're going to be having, not directly, uh, but connected. And uh, here we go. Uproar as defense rests without warning in Parkland trial. I saw this uh, it coming over the Internet just before I began this uh, conversation with my guests. And I'm like, oh, my God, the Parkland trial, uh, of course, has to do with the mass shooting. Uh, at a high school in Parkland, Florida, back in 2018. The trial of the shooter is only happening now. Uh, it's kind of a perverse situation we have. People just living through the agony, the survivors living through the agony four years later. Uh, and that, of course, was a very pivotal trial. We're, 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 uh, that pivotal shooting, because it really kind of rewoke, I would say, the public's um, realization, consciousness on this uh, issue of guns, weaponry, and society. All right, with further ado... Uh, I am going to ask my distinguished guest to introduce herself, and then we'll take it from there. So distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Well, thanks, Ben. Um, I'm Kathleen Sanchez, and I am president and CEO of the Gun Violence Prevention Bank. Yes. And uh, so Kathleen has been on my show once long ago, but uh, I think it's time, Kathleen, uh, that we introduce you uh, a little bit or allow you to introduce yourself a little more. Uh, talk a little bit about who you are, how you got into uh, this issue, and what uh, your group intends to do or hopes to do. So take it away. Well, I'm a political hack out here in the uh, northwest suburbs. And um, in the early 2000s, I was volunteering with the Wheeling Township Democratic 
uh, organization. And that's where I really learned the foundations about politics and how to run a campaign and um, eventually was appointed committee woman and just started uh, running campaigns and um, moved on to work for Senator Dan Katowski. And uh, when he was elected in um, 2006, uh, he was in a district um, that had been represented by Republicans since Abraham Lincoln. And we won that, uh, that um, race by less than 1,400 votes. And so uh, just, you know, kept continuing to help lots of people, you know, worked, worked for a lot of Democrats, worked against some bad Democrats because there are some out there. And um, met uh, um, Dan Katowski and Tom Vandenberg are the founders of the Gun Violence Prevention Pack. They realized, you know, that we weren't making any progress in this space, uh, passing any kind of gun reform, and that we needed a political strategy. And uh, met with them, and um, I just was going to sit down and give them a little bit of advice, and they ended up hiring me. That was 2013. And uh, so here we are, 2022, nine years later. Yeah. Uh, and when you view the world. And again, your focus on is on Illinois. Let me make, that's make, let me make that clear. So you're not a national group, uh, and uh, in many ways, uh, your group reminds me of personal pack. Uh, and one of the reasons why uh, your group reminds me of personal pack is that Terry Cosgrove, uh, the president of personal pack, is always telling me that your group is like his group, and then he's always telling me you got to have Kathleen on. The, the bossiest man in the state of Illinois. I hope Terry Cosgrove listens to this interview. Always telling me how to do my job. <laughs> uh, you too. Yeah. He's got he opinions about everybody doing their job. All seriousness, I see a lot of parallels. And I'll lay it out and then get your uh, thoughts. Uh, when I first met Terry many, many years ago, at the end of the 80s, think about that for a moment, Kathleen, uh, Abortion rights was, uh, how do I put this, on the losing end politically in the state of Illinois. Uh, there, uh, Some severe anti-abortion bills uh, were killed only because of uh, vetoes by Republican governor. Let's just pause the thing about that, Kathleen. Jim Thompson, uh, Terry and his allies have done an unbelievable job of just changing the political dynamic, suburban race by suburban race, uh, going through and just opposing uh, incumbents who were anti-abortion rights and electing a whole group of pro-choice legislatures legislators. In many ways, the challenge that you face and your allies face on the issue of guns is similar, only you're at the start as opposed to 30 years into it. Uh, do you think I'm onto something with my analogy or do you think I just am completely wrong? Take it away. 
No, I'm going to have to give you this one. Uh, you're right. And um, we, when I started, you know, Terry and Personal Pack were my model. Um, and he has mentored me. Um, Terry is much older than me, but we have a birthday <laughs> on the same day, January 6th. Um, we like to think of it as the epiphany, but somehow now it's called the insurrection. Uh, and we're trying to grab that back. But um, I, yes, I, I, I watch his every move. Um, I, I mimic a lot of, of, you know, his messaging and the way he operates. And that's exactly what we have to do. And um, you're right. Um, not only has he have a 30 year start, but so does the gun lobby. Like since the nineties, um, you know, they really um, started and they were very smart and strategic about it to um, control Congress with their lobbying and their political efforts. And um, they've had a great messaging campaign about, um, you know, they're supported by the gun manufacturers. This is all about money and, and, and that manufacturers, they support the gun lobby and that gun lobby supports lawmakers in Congress, right? And um, so we've had some success. I'm very proud that we've had some success, but I can't confidently say like Terry can, that I can count. Like I can't count to 30 yet in the Senate in Illinois. And um, I'm pretty good in that house. Those house, um, I feel confident that we can get to 60. Can we get to 71 for a supermajority in the house? I can't confidently say that. Um, and, and we've got a great governor. He has signed three of our prior, priority initiatives. Um, and that's what you need. You need those three things. Okay, so let me just explain to listeners uh, what Kathleen is alluding to. This is one of Terry's favorite uh, uh, quotes, which I think he stole from Rich Miller. Um, it, so I'm, I'm not quite sure Terry ever had an original idea, but uh, he's not afraid to take other people's ideas. I hope Terry's really listening to this. Um, but uh, Rich Miller, uh, the great uh, columnist, uh, wrote uh, state, he observed state politics. The only numbers that matter, I believe, are 30 in the Senate and 60 in the House, because those are the numbers you need uh, to pass legislation. Uh, and then one, which and the governor, uh, obviously, to sign the legislation. The 71 is what you need to override a veto. Uh, but in the case of gun legislation, I don't think you have to worry about rounding up 71. It's not the rounder days uh, because presumably uh, Governor Pritzker would sign a legislation uh, that Kathleen would endorse. So the 71 isn't as important as it was back in the day. Uh, so 30 is what you need in the Senate and 60 is what you need in the House. Now, why is the Senate, in your humble opinion, uh, more difficult to round up those 30 votes than the House? They're just a more conservative chamber. Um, you know, they have a, they have a very moderate caucus and, you know, they, their numbers vary between nine to 13, but they can um, pull a roll call and keep you from getting a 30. And, and they represent districts where part of their districts, um, they feel uh, are more rural and um, would not support gun reform. 
So like they've got, you know, their, their districts are divided. So um, sometimes, sometimes, you know, we can work them and, and get them and um, sometimes we can't. And, and so, you know, this is, this is a, like when we go in and we try to pass a, a law, it is a fight. <laughs> I, I can't even tell you it, it's, you know, and, and I never think we can do it and I'll never say we can do it until it's done. Because I just don't know until those buttons get pushed. All right. So let's give me an example of that. Uh, you, you said that Governor Pritzker signed three important pieces of legislation uh, that you and your organization had endorsed. Uh, so just, if, j- just one, if you can think of, uh, that you think really crystallizes this issue for you. Uh, talk about that legislation and how difficult it was to get it through the chambers. Well, the very first piece of legislation we championed um, was the Gun Dealer Certification Act, which was to hold gun dealers accountable. You know, we we knew from data that crime guns collected uh, in Chicago, like over 8,000 a year were coming from stores here in Illinois. And it seems like that's something we could do something about. And people have been wanting to do that. In fact, they had wanted to do it for 16 years. And they filed the bill, and it never got out of committee. And we came in, and we created a strategy um, to pass it. And, uh, you know, honestly, I treat a legislative uh, effort just like I do a campaign. I look at it like it's an election. I started election day. I moved backwards. So the end of session, right? And um, so... It took us three years and, and, and we, you know, we passed some versions of the bill out of one of the chambers and then we get stuck and hung up in the other chamber and they kept promising us, oh, we'll do it in veto, we'll do it in lame duck, and then we'd have to start all over again. Um, and so three years is, is a long time to really keep advocates engaged and to keep the pressure on lawmakers. It, it's time consuming. It's a lot of money, honestly. And um, so I'm proud, you know, that something that took 16 years, we, we did, you know, and, and getting that first one done started to create momentum for us. So just so I understand, this took 16 years, is uh, ladies and gentlemen, three years on this particular uh, bill. What exactly did it do that raised so much opposition? Like what sparked so much opposition, knee knocking, fear on the part of legislators that couldn't sign on. What exact what exactly did it require? Yeah, it's a state business license for gun dealers. So if, if we we show that their guns are just going right into the second mar- secondary market, state of Illinois can shut them down. Because the fact of the matter is the um ATF, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms is supposed to do that nationwide, but they never get here. You know, there's just thousands and thousands of guns across the nation. So gun stores. So, you know, now our own law enforcement can go in and inspect, inspect these premises and shut them down. And it, it, I mean, you know what, it's always like the manufacturer to me, they're, they're really the bad guys, uh, you know, cause this is all about money and all the money that they earn is, is, um, you know, in the big mansions that they live in funded by illegal guns that are flooding our communities, especially, you know, 15 neighborhoods on the south and west sides. 
So yeah, why aren't they held accountable? You know, they've got protection. And the, the, the answer I'm going to tell you why it was so hard is because these lawmakers that, you know, wouldn't get on a roll call are bought and paid for by the Illinois gun lobby. It, so could, if, if there's just one gun that, let's just, I'll make it up, the Billy Bob gun shop sells that ends up being used, found, uh, sold illegally or transferred illegally to someone who uses it in a crime. Can that shut it down or do you need more than one uh, violation? The, you know, the, there's a um, an inspection would warrant of a violation. No, they won't be shut down the first time. But, but each time they're caught, the penalty is worse and it eventually leads, I think, the third time that they're out of business. Got it. And so what were the arguments? So this sounds like a very common sense, very practical, very non-evasive piece of legislation that would force or compel uh, retail operators to pay attention to who they're selling their merchandise to. Not asking a whole lot, okay? Just pay attention to who's coming in. What were the grandiose arguments that the other side used against you to uh, undercut your legislation? Well, we were going to put all the gun dealers out of business. <laughs> you know, it's because we were going to ask them, you know, to put a few hundred dollars out for a license. Um, and, you know, it was going to cost too much because we were, you know, one of the things is that theft is a huge issue. These gun stores are robbed. So we said, okay, you need to one, lock up your guns securely when you end business for the day Two, put video security outside your store <laughs> to, you know, prevent, you know, your store from being robbed And three video cameras on the point of sale inside the store. So we can see people who are in there buying guns for people who shouldn't have them. Because once we trace the gun, it's always going to go back to that first legal sale. And their objection that it would cost too much money for that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they, said it was- they couldn't afford the video. You know, uh, also, um, we we wanted this, the receipts, you know, to be... Um, stored, you know, electronically and, you know, they couldn't afford, you know, the equipment. It's, and eventually we were, we were, we always infringe on people's second amendment rights. I do not know how that's an infringement on a second amendment, right? You could still, you're not saying you were not allowed to buy the weaponry, but I might have to drive a couple extra miles to get my gun. Not sure how that is an infringement on anything. Um, so let me just point out, ladies and gentlemen, in the real world, like not the wacko world of make-believe, if you want to open a reefer dispensary, if you want to sell legal marijuana, you got to put cameras up. You got to have like guards. You got to guarantee, you know, that you're protected against crime. I don't understand why. That is not an infringement on their rights. I'm like, <laughs> any 7-Eleven I've ever been to has got a camera. Like Somehow or other, they're op- every, like liquor stores I go in got cameras. 
Help me out, Kathleen. Why why is it so prohibitive to a gun dealer to have to have a camera, but not a 7-Eleven or a gas station or every person on every block on the north side of Chicago who's got a camera on their doorway? Help me out with this one, Kathleen. I need some help here. Go. No, if you're asking me to sit here and and figure out why, you know, the, the pushback that I hear in my job every day, like try to make it make sense. Yeah. I would have to quit. I, be, I, I can't be distracted <laughs> because in the end, those people, they're not persuadable anyway. Right. And they want to just sit and listen to themselves talk. And, you know, honestly, they can talk to, you know, their crowd. But I have to be targeting people who I know I can't persuade. Got it. Okay. Uh, and uh, to, to that end, in your humble opinion, what portion of the Illinois electorate, the Illinois voters, would listen to what we're saying and think, yes, Ben, you're wrong. It is an intrusion on a gun seller to have to put a camera up on his door, even though every every gas station in Chicago, every 7-Eleven in Chicago, every liquor store, anywhere, everywhere you go, there's care. Every restaurant, like the parking lot, there's care. So why, <laughs> which portion of the electorate would buy that cockamamie argument that uh, something that everybody does is an intrusion when a gun dealer has to uh, do it? 10%? Maybe, right? They're a minority, but the problem is they're so loud. They, and they just seem to have the time to be on social media a lot. And they seem to have the time to get in their cars and drive to events <laughs> where we're just trying to have a town hall about public safety. So going back to the uh, uh, abortion analogy, uh, I don't know what the equivalent percentage is of people uh, in America who think the way uh, the anti-abortionists do, uh, that every uh, fertilized egg is sacred and it must be brought to a life even if uh, the woman has been raped, okay? Which is the law in many uh, states these days. Uh, but what we've seen in recent elections is that a majority of voters don't agree with that position and right now we're watching this unbelievable sea change in this very election cycle on this issue, Kathleen. I know you're a political junkie, so you know exactly what I'm talking about, post-Kansas referendum on abortion. So is that happening already? Have you seen that happening with this on, on uh, gun reform here in Illinois? Uh, so recent polling from Politico that I saw this week actually ranks gun reform over abortion, which, and, and I play this game with Terry Cosgrove because, you know, one day it's his day, one day it's mine. Sky has fallen here, sky has fallen over here. But here's the one thing that I can tell you that's different. I always know, I'm so confident, we're going to have another shooting and we're going to have another high profile shooting, right? And so I wait, like, 
for it to come back to me. I'll tell you, though, there's one difference in our um, audience. Um, I can't find the switch for single-issue voters like Choice does. And, and, and I've been thinking about it for years. We've tried all different kinds of, of ways to talk about this, to try to get people to care. Um, and, you know, that's the magic. We finally had some success in that a lot of these especially this urban gun violence, how do I get somebody in pure, well, not in pure, that's not, because there's a lot of gun violence there, but like in Muhammad to care, right? Or just in any downstate region. Well, kids, because firearms are the leading cause of death for kids in our state. And, and like, that's so horrible. It just, how do how can we, as responsible adults, let this happen, right? And so, you know, that's that's the common emotional tie that we found is effective. Um, and, you know, here's the thing. It's just like this Highland Park. This is a high-profile mass shooting. It, it got more press when we had just as many people shot and killed that weekend in Chicago. But as this shooting gets in the rearview mirror, I'm seeing like a loss from people to stay interested in this and, and, to, and to demand immediate action. It, it's a little different. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking about what you said, and uh, that's a very... Um... It's a very interesting challenge, the switch. So follow me to this, uh, folks. What Kathleen's getting at is when someone, a voter, addresses an issue uh, and comes face-to-face -face with the stance taken by MAGA, I'm just going to call him MAGA, uh, and it clicks a switch and go, I can't go this far. I, 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 whatever commercials I see about how horrible lefties are and, uh, that are, I'm bombarded with all the time, whatever Chicago Tribune drivel is in the Chicago Tribune editorial page, uh, or on Fox TV, I can't deal with it anymore. This is the switch. I, I, an abortion, uh, my initial response, Kathleen works. And I'll tell you why as a switch, because every woman in the state of Illinois, could see herself needing an abortion. Almost every woman, okay? Or even if they're too old to have children, they can remember a time when they could. So it's very personal. In terms of gun violence, God forbid, it's like, if you've experienced it, it's, it's this horrendous, traumatic, you'll never get over it situation, life-changing situation. You don't want anybody to go through it. But people, like they, because it doesn't happen to them, they can't see it. So they could just go back to Netflix and whatever they do to sort of like deflect from reality. For me, it would be watching the Bulls. So, uh, <laughs> so I see that as uh, a distinction between the issue on the switch. What's your thoughts? I agree. I, I, you know, I also feel like that is... Those are 
my body parts. <laughs> so that's intensely personal for me as a woman, right? And so I, I think that's different, right? And and the thing about gun violence is people think that, you know, that it's not going to happen in their neighborhood. But as we can see, Highland Park thought that too, you know, and it, no, no community is immune to this. It is coming to your neighborhood. It, it's just what? Um, but here's to your point. We've seen that women register, the registration has increased exponentially, right? Since since um, Dobbs, so since the Supreme Court ruling that eradicated Roe, and uh, in a weird way, uh, just on that point, uh, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, said it would happen she, before she became a Supreme Court justice. She predicted she goes if you hide behind uh, a, uh, a Supreme Court ruling a decision. It's only as good as the next decision, essentially. So you need a legislative uh, victory. And we have come to realize that's the case uh, with abortion rights. Uh, the other thing I would say about gun rights, uh, or excuse me, uh, gun rights advocates uh, and um, who are fighting you, uh, even when it's an absurd fight, like licensing. Could you imagine saying the same thing about an ab abortion clinic, not having to have a state, uh, not... <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I'm just, it's so preposterous. I'm sorry, it's prohibitive to the abortion clinic to have to make them, uh, you know, have any regulation at all. Um, is that they, this is so bizarre and twisted, uh, gun, the gun nut lobby has stolen the rhetoric of the abortion rights activist in much the same way the Looney Tunes who resisted immunization stole their rhetoric and they put it in terms of principles like freedom and liberty, which well, I have a freedom and liberty not to get a shot, but you don't have any freedom or liberty when it comes to carrying that child of birth. So shut up and birth that child. Uh, <laughs> even if you were raped. So Kathleen, I mean, how do you battle what's like, how do you reduce it to like three words <laughs> that combat liberty and freedom? How do you do that? I have the freedom to live without the fear of gun violence. I wrote that down. Uh, yeah. You really put me on the spot. I'm so glad I could come up with it. Oh, he was good. That was very good. <laughs> uh, very well done. I, I I didn't know to answer the question <laughs> when I asked it. Right, but yeah, they own the. It's fun. It, you you hit it like the nail on the head. They own freedom, right? And we have to and we have to take it back. You know, and, and our kids should be free to go outside and play, because a lot of kids can't. You know, they can't just get out and kick the can and play hopscotch because they're, there's, there's, they're worried that, you know, bullets are going to be flying, and they do. 
And uh, right now we have a gubernatorial race here in the state of Illinois. Uh, the incumbent governor, J.B. Pritzker, who, as uh, Kathleen mentioned, signed uh, the three bills that her group uh, supports, is being challenged by a downstate senator named Darren Bailey, uh, who routinely calls Chicago a hellhole. Uh, because of all the shootings in Chicago. And at the same breath, he says he's opposed to absolutely any attempt to regulate uh, uh, the gun uh, manufacturers and uh, salesmen uh, in the state of Illinois. Uh, and I presume he voted against all of the bills. Uh, yeah, Kathleen is shaking her head. Yes, he did. He voted against all the bills, including somehow or other, he couldn't bring himself to vote for the bill that required a license for gun salesmen. Just think about that, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so talk about the importance in your group's eyes in the gubernatorial race on this one issue. Well, uh, Mr. Bailey wants to void the FOID. So the FOID is the firearm owner ID card that everybody has to apply for so that they can go out and buy a gun. So he's got this cute little tagline. Um, he also, you know, there's video of him um, taking one the budget out into his backyard and shooting it up with a very powerful gun. So um, he, what he's saying, Void the Foyd, is that you should be able to go and buy a gun without a background check, without a license. It's just guns for everybody, guns everywhere, right? Um, and that is one of the most dangerous propositions I can think of. And Pritzker in contrast? Uh, you know, he has always been a champion um, on this issue. And, um, you know, he he signs gun reform that we have championed that actually closes loopholes in our current law, makes our law stronger. He made ghost guns illegal because they weren't, which is crazy. Like, think about that. Um, and, but he also knows that this is a public health crisis. And so he does things. He's put millions of dollars into funding communities most impacted by this epidemic. Um, that money goes to community violence intervention, violence interrupters, so, so important. Um, healing and trauma centers. You know, even if you're not shot, if you're shot and survive, or you sit here and you see somebody get shot in front of you, and these kids see it every day, that child is so traumatized by that. And we have to address that, right? And so funding, sending funding into these communities to heal people and make them whole is, is another part of solving this of solving this crisis. And people have to have food and they have to have access to health care. They need help, access to transportation so that they can get to jobs, right? And, and they need access to good education. They deserve it. And, and I just want to make sure something I'm not missing something. Was there a showdown legislative vote on a measure that would provide aid 
to school districts or communities that suffer from a lot of gun violence? Did I miss that? Was there a showdown legislative vote on that particular issue? You know, um, I'm not exactly clear on, on, you know, a specific bill that you might be talking about, but there are um, uh, packages of funding all the time. Uh, one was the VESA package that that do go to communities. Um, so, you know, these are budgetary things, and uh, they're they are championed all the time. Um, and so, yes. Uh, so I was just curious what Darren Bailey's legislative voting record was on that. So if you're not going to be for legislation that would uh, compel gun sellers to watch who they're selling the guns to, uh, if you're not going to be for legislation that would uh, force people who buy guns to, uh, y- you know, do a background check or uh, to just give some pertinent information to the state before they buy the weaponry, like you do if you want to get a driver's license uh, for a car, uh, then obviously you would be for, uh, I would hope, uh, assistance for communities where people have been traumatized by the people who bought the illegal guns because you voted against the legislation that would have made it harder for those guns to be sold and were able to buy a gun because you voted against legislation that would enable them to get a license to have a gun. So you did all that negative stuff, would ended up with a guy being killed. Did you support at least spending money to hire a nurse or a therapist or a counselor to help grieving traumatized communities? I'm really curious how DB voted on those things, Kathleen. I don't even have to guess. <laughs> I'm pretty sure where his where his votes lie. And I mean, a, a big piece of this problem is rooted in poverty. So if you want to take care of some of the root causes, like that's a great place to start, as well as the illegal guns, you know, and and that's really always been our focus. So you mentioned before we went on the air that you would be, uh, your group would come out with endorsements. uh, And uh, so when will that happen? And how do you go about determining who gets your endorsement uh, and, or who gets your unendorsement? uh, If there's such a thing. Um, So we have a rigorous, a rigorous candidate questionnaire that we work. uh, We partner actually with a national group, Gifford's, um, pack, which is um, Gabby Gifford's group. And as you know, Gabby was a congresswoman who was shot while she was doing a Congress on the corner. And uh, she's become a champion for this issue. Um, and she's also a gun owner, uh, but she's probably one of the greatest advocates in the country. And uh, if they answer that rigorous questionnaire satisfactorily, um, they we'll get our endorsement. We endorsed our first 14 uh, legislative candidates this week. Um, You can see them on our website, which is gpacillinois.com. We, these are champions that we've endorsed. We cannot lose them. Um, And if they're, if it's not an incumbent, it's a district where we lost, where the incumbent, is moving on to another position and we don't want to lose that vote. Right. So we have prioritized these first races next week. We have, 
we have um, some more endorsements coming out. In fact, these are pretty important and we'll be doing a press conference. Um, and then last week of September, we'll be finishing uh, with one more press conference and the rest of the endorsements. I mean, um, obviously, we'll probably have about 75 coming out. Uh, so those are 75 endorsements. Uh, do you do the other thing where uh, you actually, I don't know, I don't even know what the word is, uh, unendorse somebody? In other words, if there's a, a candidate running who didn't fill out your form or, or, or just filled out your form uh, with uh, positions uh, that mirror, let's say, uh, Darren Bailey, uh, do you make note, don't vote for this guy or woman? Do you do that? Yes. Yes, we do that kind of education. Uh, you know, we, we try to get into a, um, a district and, and let the voters know, you know, we find voters who we think gun, gun reform is important and gun safety and public safety. And, and we, we send the mail, we, we do phone calls. Um, we also, you know, um, recently took out an incumbent who had promised to vote with us and didn't. Whoa. And who was that incumbent? Um, that was Denise Wang Stoneback in Huss District 16. She, um, you know, we couldn't get her to vote for one of the um, largest gun reform packages in the nation that the governor signed last August. It is a model. It is a model. Um, it, it enacted universal background checks on every single gun sale, private or not in the state. It also gave the Illinois State Police resources so that they could get teams out to retrieve revoked void cards and revoked guns. Because at the time, there were over 30,000 in our communities. They didn't have the resources to do that. That makes us all dangerous. It created a stolen gun database. So if I want to sell you my gun, Ben, you can get on this portal and see if my gun is stolen before you make the purchase. And really, really important, $9 million in fundings for healing and trauma services in the communities that are most impacted. And uh, that measure passed despite the fact that she voted against it. Yes. Wow. Uh, I was, there's so many, so much like irony embedded in that that'll tie the start of our conversation uh, to the closing part of our conversation. I'll share that with you, Kathleen. Uh, I remember when she was uh, first elected, uh, and she was elected with the enthusiastic support and endorsement of Personal Pack, uh, the aforementioned Mr. Cosgrove uh, leading the way. Because follow me in this, ladies and gentlemen. It's a little convoluted. The, the incumbent that she was running against, uh, that Denise was running against, uh, had flipped on the issue of abortion rights, said he was for it, then voted against it, got personal pack and t Terry Cosgrove, TC, very upset. Uh, and they pushed hard for Denise. And she was victorious. <laughs> Here we are. I was, it's, it's like two or four years later. I can't remember. I've lost track. Two years later. Only two years. Uh, and the young man from Skokie defeated her. I can't remember his name right now. Kevin Olico. Yes, I'm going to bring him on the show. Sorry, Kevin, for, for momentarily forgetting your name. Uh, and uh, on the issue of gun reform. So uh, 
one thing legislators have learned is that you don't mess with personal PAC and TC. And now maybe they're going to learn that you don't mess with Kathleen. All right. Uh, so you're doing real, in my humble opinion, Kathleen, I, all seriousness, I can't even articulate how important I think what the work you're doing and how appreciative I am of people like you. Uh, it's just the long fight, Sarah Brady. I just think of so many activists who were quote unquote victims of gun violence and then dedicated their life to seeing that it wouldn't happen to other. I think of Steve Kerr. I'm no fan of the golden state warriors. I'm a bulls fan through and through, but I love Steve Kerr, the coach of golden state warriors because he stands up for this issue. He's not afraid. Uh, he himself was a victim. His father was murdered. Uh, and, um, so I got a lot of love for Steve Kerr in this issue. And so keep up the good work. And you know what I'm going to do, Kathleen? Here's what we're going to do. Let's bring you back when all these endorsements are over. And we'll just go through the sheet. How about that? Well, how about we do a little fun? Go through the legislators in Illinois, see which ones our knees are knocking. Anytime you even remotely talk, I'm scared, I can't, about a gun reform. <laughs> I'm scared. How about I that? I'd love to do that. And also, I'm glad you bring up all, like Steve Kern, whatever, because this work is centered around survivors. That's why we're here. That's why I wake up every day, is to honor them with action. And they are the most important people in this movement. All right, very good. That's a good part uh, point to end it. Kathleen, thank you very much uh, for coming on the show. Thank you. All right. That's great. Kathleen Sansis. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. Thank you.